the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you today. We've got a lot to cover. Our old friend, Dr. Ted Malik, will be with us. I got an email, uh, a text from somebody who was listening to the program as a podcast. They love Ted Malik, and they said that, you know, Ted Malik, he lives in London. Well, he does live in London, but he spent most of the last year in California where he has family, children, and things because he got kind of stuck over here after the pandemic hit. So we'll, we'll get an update from him. He's got two pieces running, one two days ago about Biden and the other running coming out tomorrow. So we'll talk with Ted Malik. We'll also talk with an author. His name is C.B. Scheip. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'll probably butcher, butcher it, as you know. He wrote a fiction, a novel about 10 years ago. Now 11 years ago, I guess, that was about uh, sort of devastation, tough time, a Christian novel. Very good. Uh, very pop. Well, pretty popular. Um, and um, he's kind of got a resurgence. So we'll talk with him about that book. I was supposed to have him on the show a few weeks ago. We messed up the schedule. We missed him. So I'll be looking forward to that. And uh, we will also uh, get some of your viewer and uh, excuse me, viewer listener emails and texts. I got one from you all. We'll talk about late in the show about Politico.com. So here's the thing. Go over to ProAmericaReport.com and all these interviews. Interviews you're hearing me talk about, you can get them all to be a part of, uh, of, you can check there and follow up on them. If you like something you see or hear, you can go and check that out. So um, I spent some time earlier uh, today, I've talked about this before, but I want to highlight for you uh, something very profound. And, and, and when I say profound, I mean it's worth noting. Let me say it that way. It's a better way. Noteworthy. There is a crisis, a massive crisis in confidence in our elections. It doesn't matter how we got here. It only matters that that's real. Now, what does that mean? Well, the media wants to say it's Donald Trump's fault. I don't think it's Donald Trump's fault. I think it's a, the, I think it's the, it was the fake news and the fake polls and the, and the terrible treatment of the election cycle that we saw. But whatever the reason, you got 30% of the Democrats think that the election was problematic in, in November 2020. And you got something like 70% of Republicans. So f- over 50% of the country, uh, of the people in this country have doubts about the elections working. That's a major problem. A major problem and one that there are common sense uh, things you can do to give people more confidence that the systems will work. One of them is transparency. Show people how the system works and show them that it works. Show people how there is security and show them how the security works, you know, or is effective. Those are the kinds of things you can do. Over in Arizona, I can tell you, I talked today with uh, with some key folks. They're in the middle of this audit. Right now, the Democrats and the left and the media are trying to say that it's not a good audit of Maricopa County. It's a complete audit. And they're complaining about it because they say it's not transparent enough. I don't even know what that means. I do know that the election didn't seem transparent enough. So we'll see what happens. But it's going to be an audit. And when you're done, you can say, here's what we found. And someone could say, that that's not true based on this or that. Because there'll be transparency at that moment. So that will be a big help. And I think we need more of that. 
Now, that makes me brings me to the news from today that Florida did pass some legislation, and I'll go into some more details next week because I haven't really tracked it all that closely, but they went into they went and passed some legislation that will do some election protections that will tighten up some of the rules and get make it so people can, you know, when there's there's a, um, some of the security around uh, the voter rolls as when and getting the voter rolls cleaned up as well as uh, registration and also same day uh, election um, uh, early voting and and some of the kiosks that were used, all sorts of things. So good news for Florida. But right now, Florida is fearless. Because DeSantis, the governor there, is pretty fearless, and also because the people there are just demanding it. They're, they're kind of in that zone. And so it's not hard to see Florida uh, doing the right thing. But here's the tension, and this is what I want to point out to you. We have a profound and serious problem of voter confidence, confidence in our elections. We have a profound and serious problem with the narrative machine led by big government, Joe Biden, big tech and big media lying about everything that has to do with the elections as well as January 6th. They want no transparency, just move on. And they want to say that January 6th was the worst attack on America since the Civil War. So we have this huge problem. And then we had Georgia pass some election reform. It actually was a good law. It is a good law, but it's not a great law. It still has way too much early voting. It still has way too much registration loopholes. But it was good enough that what the Democrats and the left did in the media was they screamed that it was racist. You know, they called it Jim Crow, all this stuff. And they had Delta Airlines and Coca-Cola and big tech. So all of them said pulling out and protesting and all. And because they had already lost, the law was passed and it was signed, you had to say to yourself, like, what's the point of sort of bellyaching at the end? One of it was uh, sort of, um, you know, the woke culture, you know, virtue signaling. You know, the Coca-Cola CEO wanted to look like he cared. He's a British guy. And when he was interviewed, he said, well, someone said, why didn't you uh, complain beforehand before it was passed and signed? And he said, well, we, we did sort of. And then someone said, you really didn't. You didn't say anything publicly. You were sort of straddling. And he said he had to sort of hem and haw. But the point is, he came around to wanting to be a great woke warrior. Major League Baseball pulled the all-star game, et cetera, et cetera. But the real uh, reason for all the histrionics after the law passed, because there wasn't a legal challenge to the law. It was passed appropriately. It's within the limits of, of legislation on, on elections. It was signed by the governor. There was not, no monkey business. It was passed in the ordinary course of the legislature. The real reason that it was attacked in the way it was in Georgia was that it was a message for the other states. If you do this, you'll pay a price. And so it kind of reminds you, remember when uh, Christy Nome up in South Dakota had a bill on her desk that would have banned uh, transgender boys moving into girls sports and she vetoed it in part because the NCAA pressured her and other businesses pressured her and all that. This was the version of that where corporate America and the media said, if you sign, if you pass real tough election reform, you're going to be part, you're going to be in the crosshairs. That's a little bit dramatic because people will now say, I'm, but you'll be in the, you'll be in the media, you'll be a media target. You'll be a, a, a cultural target. You will be in the woke cancel culture, you know, uh, sort of uh, focus. And so what you had is now, in places like Texas that should pass really good conservative laws, they're fighting amongst themselves. 
Florida passed some. Other places are, are, are worried about it. You would be, you, you know, maybe you wouldn't be surprised because you've seen it now for a lot of years. But maybe I'll say it like this. If you get in close to what legislators are doing at the state level, they're watching closely what their brothers and sisters are doing in other states. One of the things I learned in many years ago when I was in Jefferson City, Missouri, is you could find it was easier to pass legislation if you could show how it played out in other states. It's why sometimes you'll have certain states that lead on issues and you say, wow, they seem to have an outsized, uh, they seem to have an outsized influence on what's going on. Because once one state passes it and you can see how it goes, whether it's challenged, how the challenge comes, what it fits in, how it fits into things, you'll have the legislators um, uh, uh, react. Likewise, if the cost is raised on certain legislation, Remember when Indiana passed a law that was going to protect religious liberty and the again, the NCAA and corporations, Eli Lilly and everybody went to the governor at the time, Mike Pence, and said, if you don't you know, veto this and, and, and we're going to be pulling out and changing our plans and all that. And he actually he actually did um, change it. They went back and changed it. And the point here is politicians They care about the power of money in politics because they're all ambitious. That's not a bad thing. Because ambitious people will listen to the voters if the voters are organized. Ambitious people will, ambitious politicians will listen to the money if the voters aren't organized. Which is my return to the clarion call. You've got to make your voice heard. If you really have a lack of confidence in elections, you have got to make your voice heard in your states, in your areas, because otherwise the legislators are going to look up and see Georgia and say, yeah, that's a lot of pressure. That's a little too much. I mean, maybe we can just do a little something on the edges that people will see as an attempt, but they won't get too worried about it. They won't get too mad at us. They won't get too upset if we do that. That's the dynamic you're seeing in this country right now. So raise your voice, lift up your voice, and sing. Sing for, uh, sing for protection for our elections. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Ted Malik, and then we'll talk with his author, C.B. Scheip, about his book, Cliff Falls. You're listening to Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Visit ProAmericaReport.com anytime to catch up on things and sign up for our daily email. I'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Our next guest is our old friend, Dr. Ted Malik, uh, author and businessman, professor, and uh, bon vivant. And I was going to have you on, Ted, to talk about the piece that ran a few days ago, uh, which is was entitled, again, last time you used German, this time at least I can stick with the Latin, from e pluribus mm-hmm. unum to ex uno plores. We're going to talk about yeah. that and the Biden regime. And then... I got in the mail today, uh, in my email, that you, the piece that's going to post in just a few hours from now called The New Woke Gong Show. But first, so let me go first to this piece about Biden. And, uh, and you know, you're, you're the, the, the subtitle, The Biden Regime Bets on the Setting Sun, Whether They Admit It or Not. Mm-hmm. Tell our listeners what you mean. Well, this is a reference to that famous convention in my hometown of Philadelphia, where the quintessential American Benjamin Franklin saw this chair that George Washington was sitting in, of course, to become president. And there was an interpretation. Could it be a setting sun or could it be a rising sun? And, of course, after the convention, he answered that it was America's opportunity. It was, in fact, its rising sun. Uh, And America has been on that trajectory, I would argue, ever since. 
you know, even with shortfalls in the Civil War, et cetera. I would argue now that the Biden administration, the, you know, the apology regime and the woke crowd that's running the White House actually sees America as a setting sun, is not just managing its decline, but is actively engaged in making America less and less day by day. Yeah, we're talking with Ted Malik, and and I, I you know, by the way, that famous chair. Uh, I was down in Waco, Texas. I just got to tell this. I've, my listeners have heard me say it. Helen Marie Taylor Museum in Waco, Texas. Uh, the original chair disappeared, but about forty years later, they made two of them, and one of them is down in a museum in Waco, Texas. It's exactly the same as the original one. It's really neat. Um, so when you listened to Biden speak the other night. Besides the, you know, bad policy, we're talking with Ted Malik. I'm Dr. Ted Malik could tell us, you know, raising taxes, mm-hmm. bad idea, growing government, bad idea. But, you know, blatantly lying about, say, January 6th as the worst attack on democracy since the Civil War, blatantly lying about sort of right. white supremacy and the threat it is. I mean, is that what you mean by sort of betting on the, on the end of America? I do. And, uh, yeah, the, the, this view, you know, frankly, that America is somehow a systemically racist place is, is basically the 1619 argument, which is not one that the professional historians would suggest, but it's one put out there by black activists and BLM. Uh, Biden seems to be uh, all uh, copacetic with that. In fact, he's preaching that and his Justice Department and other places have accepted that. And it's their touchstone now. So that that's the the new interpretation of America. All right, we're talking about it. Now let's move to this piece that's uh, posting, and, and it'll be posted tomorrow at AmericanGreatness.com, uh, the new woke gong show. Here's my question. Yeah. We go, we'll go through some of these names of people who have uh, mm-hmm. the woke crowd and how they've gone bonkers. It, it, you know, you use the phrase jump the shark, as Fonzie would say for mm-hmm. our listeners. Everybody, I think everybody mm-hmm. knows that, even if they don't know uh, Fonzie anymore. But but uh, mm-hmm. before we get to some of these people, your, your list of them, um, do you think, is it getting even ridiculous for them i mean is it is it sort of getting to a point it where it's gone too far it is yeah. it is absurd we've gotten to that point where it's absolutely outright absurd and this is why the other day i was talking to somebody and we were joking and this is a funny piece by the way uh, yeah. uh, i said well what we really need is the gong show they said well what was that so i had to explain to them <laughs> 1976 yeah. until 1989 there was this great funny tv show where really bad acts you know, some were hilariously awful. Others were mediocre. Most of them were just plain non-professional. They would go on stage and they would gong them off, you know, sort of um, right. midway through the act. It was ridiculously funny. So I'm suggesting we get the gong show going again. And then the only question is, who do we put on as contestants? So I have 10 or 12 ideas, but, you know, I want this show to go on for a while. You could name your own contestants. Well, and, and some of them are perfect. I mean, uh, Chris Cuomo. I mean, if it, now that we see the reality, it was it, it's not just fraudulent. It's like it's like it's like a uh, it's like a Chris Farley movie with two brothers hiding, you know, hiding their their crimes and hiding their problems and, and doing it on national TV. Well, last week he told people on CNN whose viewership is dropping by the hour uh, to, to actually kill suburban white kids. So my point is, well, he went to Yale University. He should never have gotten in there, but he did. So let's rescind his college degree for hate speech. If we're going to treat one side one way, we saw this with Uncle Tim the other day, then we need to treat the other side the same way. 
You you know, uh, let me ask you pause and say that, Ted. We're talking to Ted Malik, and again, among other things, a uh, businessman and a professor, but also historian, and looking at the history. Um, it is simply true, this next statement, that uh, one side gets penalized, gets canceled, and gets woke beaten, and the other side doesn't. And and why don't, why don't the Republicans or the conservatives fight back? Why isn't there a sort of a reverse ACLU or a reverse uh, a Southern Poverty Law Center that targets? I mean, you listed in here James Quincy, the CEO of Coke, you know, Woca-Cola, yeah. you call it, which is a great one, by the way. Yeah. He, he, he paid a price. People are not d- d- drinking Coke, but, uh, but boy, yeah. Mike Lindell is... is beating around the head and shoulders and nobody really stands up for him no i mean it seems republicans and conservatives i don't think there are conservatives across the you know spectrum and you know in the libertarian party as well that they they take the beating they just are spineless so i think we have to fight back we have to fight back intellectually we have to take back our institutions that means our church our families and the schools the civic associations but let's call these people out you know, you mentioned this. Uh, Brit- he's a British guy, this CEO. Let's take his green card away. I mean, he's giving us all diabetes <laughs> anyway. I don't drink the stuff. But, I mean, let's get him out of here. Get the stuff out of your diet, off the grocery shelf. I mean, who made these global CEOs king of the world? They're not. So you get the gist. Now, so I go through this yeah, list. Yeah, yeah. I've got some great people. Yeah. Jack Dorsey, I'm sure he's a favorite of you. And then, of course, St. Saint, yeah. uh, Saint Tony Fauci. He's such an easy target. Right. And, you know, right. I mean, Miss Omar. I mean, that's easy. Yeah. But my, my favorite uh, one but- is Jerry Nadler, fat, bald, music <laughs> congressman who ran the uh, <laughs> SHIT show. Uh wants to back to the Supreme Court. Now, I think he should be primary challenged from his own political party, because every time I mm-hmm. see him, I'm laughing out loud. I mean, he gives all size challenge people a bad name. Uh, we're talking with uh, Ted Malik, who's uh, suitably politically correct uh, this uh, this day. And b- back for one second to Jack Dorsey. All these other ones to me, you know, uh, Maxine Waters, as you mentioned, Elon yeah. Omar, Chris uh, Nadler. They're even though they are congressmen and they have some influence, they're not they're not as outsized to me, a pun intended for Nadler, but mm-hmm. as Dorsey. I mean, Dorsey has people can say Trump went yeah. off Twitter and it took a big hit. It's still a dominant. Uh, uh, vehicle for political discourse, and he is yeah. as lefty and loony as anybody. He is. So, I mean, I think we have to yank the platform and say no more <laughs> monopoly. Goodbye, bye bye, and uh, you know, and gong him out, gong him Twitter. out. I, I mean, the gong is so effective, and it doesn't hurt anybody. <laughs> it's not violent. It, you know, if anything, it's hilariously funny. So let's start the gong right. show again. I'm, I'm sending this to Tucker right now, and I've asked him if I could come on and we'll start a show called The New Gong Show. So I, I hope he takes you up on it. And uh, and for those that are on, that have never seen the show, the the host <laughs> was who? Tell us who the host. This is a name well, that's lost to history. Is he's, yeah, but he started with his name was Chuck Barris. He's actually a Canadian, and he is a comedian, the First Order. He started three game shows in that time period, The Dating Game, The Newlywed wow. Game, and The Gong Show. Wow. He's a very successful guy, yeah. But this, is, this, yeah, this show was hilariously funny. I mean, oh. 
That is that is a, those are two. I mean, you, the Gong Show was funny in its time. The newlywed game and the dating game. Those those are those are staying power. All right, as always, Ted Malik, thank you. Yeah, thank you for the uh, insight, and uh, we'll look forward. I'll put it up on social media as soon as it breaks. I'll put It'll it up there. there tomorrow. Uh, post it. Oh, okay. All right, Amer- American Greatness. Thanks, Ted. Ted Malik, everybody, over at americangreatness.com, and also you can go over to Pro America, uh, excuse me, proamericareport.com and listen to my interview with him. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. And I have to tell the truth here. It's always important to tell the truth. I know that. And uh, a few weeks ago, I had our, ne- our next guest, C.B. Sheep. Am I thinking Sheep? Is right? T- t- correct me right now. I already shape. messed it. Sheep. Yeah. Sorry. Shape. Sorry. Yeah. I, I apologize. Noah told, Noah told me in my ear, uh, and I messed it up anyway. Uh, so C.B. Sheep, his book is, and I, I was supposed to have him on a few weeks ago. I messed up. We got canceled. So I'm gr- grateful to have a chance to talk about his book. Here's the interesting thing. I read, and my wife can tell you this all the time. I read mysteries. I love to read fiction sort of to keep my mind all day long. I'm on other stuff. And so I do it all the time. And this book is called Cliff Falls, the Missing Pieces edition, which came out last year and right right in the middle of the pandemic. And the, the thing I have to tell you, uh, sir, is that as I read reviews about it, and I'm about halfway through, but I read reviews about it, um, people were really, it's kind of a book that's almost self-help and and that's so interesting about it. So tell me first of all, how did you write this book? It's ten years ago. What what was going on in your life that you wrote this book? And and tell us sort of how it came to be. Yeah, I had gone through a health crisis and I was isolated, and writing was like the only thing I could do at the time. And I came mm-hmm. up with this idea for the story, and something about me being separated from everything I put my identity in got infused in the book. And the metaphor of going over the falls, when we are separated from, as I just said, what we put our identity in, it's a scary place to be. It's an opportunity to find out who we really are. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really resonated with all sorts of people in uh, all different crises in life, recovery, uh, people have gone through well, and- divorces, health crises, you name it. And and what's interesting to me is it, it this tenth uh, ten, it was a a good seller a book that you 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 know succeeded in selling but you release yeah. this tenth anniversary edition April twenty eighth when the whole country and the world is ending up in uh, in lockdown whatever form that was and you got a lot of people where the lockdown was uh, it wasn't worse than a disease but it was it, it was a, a challenge that they hadn't had to face before did you hear from readers that's one thing an author often can tell you did you hear from readers saying I'm in the middle of this or I I, I was moved by this what kind of reaction did you get. Yeah, the, the reaction was overwhelming, and the the irony was because the week before I was supposed to be, you know, different TV programs and book events, everything just shut down. And the right. irony was I I had been through this before years earlier when I was sick, and my world got smaller. So I hmm. was able to relate to what people were going through now. Um, and hmm. again, the story sort of reflected it. The isolation um <laughs> the book was born out of it the book was born out of it right so um yeah yeah so we it, did it, one it, other you, go on okay keep going no no keep going please keep yeah. going yeah so um it's it's almost a book that you can give people who are struggling with their sense of self 
self-hatred mm-hmm. and the lies written on the heart. As you said, it's, it's, it's fiction, but it's, it's almost a self-help book. Is the um, so and and after you finish the book, um, because people will say, uh, especially a book like this where you said you were in a dark place uh, and you were struggling with this, you you get the book done. Is it was did that get you out of it? I mean, did did you finish the book and say that that sort of was my therapy and I got out of it? It was it was my therapy because you find the hope on the cover. The tagline is, "What happens when you run into everything you've been running from?" and it's a scary place to be when you have to confront yourself. And you start saying, ultimately, this is, you know, understanding your identity as a beloved child of God. That apart from the things right. you've done in life, good or bad, that you have a sense of self of that you've been loved first. And anything we do in life is a response to that love. So that was kind of a healing journey woven through this story, which is, you know, drama, humor, you know, wit and wisdom, it's all in there, but it's a healing journey. And for me personally, to be able to redeem that experience uh, through, a, through a novel creatively um, and have people mm-hmm. respond, especially now in COVID, um, yeah. it, it's like it was all planned out, but it wasn't, <laughs> or maybe it was it's uh and and so i i noticed in one of these when i was seeing where you had had been speaking when the book came out again and again we're uh we're talking about cliff falls i want to make sure to say the book is available everywhere books are i looked it's on barnes and noble and amazon and all and um uh the did you um did you the, the uh, it feels like to me a movie like i don't know if you wrote it yeah. it's almost like the, the scenes are like that and i saw somewhere that actors portrayed some of the scenes somewhere where you spoke it might have been the betty ford clinic i think or something but yeah, it was. is it is it yeah yeah is it a is it a movie why isn't it a movie it, well a great question and we are working on that now it's been written and there are uh-huh. producers two two sets of producers who want to do it and i've got to kind of choose which set i go with and uh hmm. And so hopefully in the next couple of months, we'll have something to announce. But one thing we did in the middle of COVID is we produced the audiobook, and I got the most phenomenal person to narrate it, uh, Santino Fontana. He won a Tony last year uh, on Broadway for Tootsie, and he was in the movie, a little movie called Frozen. He was the bad guy. And he just uh-huh. he did this amazing performance, and the audiobook got nominated for Best Faith-Based Audiobook of the Year. So you can... Check that out on Audible. Um, how did you get? How did you get? Well, this is even more. It's more. It's even more intriguing because I bought it. I bought it on Kindle, and I, but I actually yeah. looked at it and I thought I might get it as Audible. Well, how'd you get him to do that? How, do, how does an author get the narrator? Is it, it, it? Do you have a preference, or I, how do you do that? Do you go find him? Yeah, I, I was lucky. I had the preference. I had, you know, I just took some initiative, and COVID created uh-huh. opportunities. COVID created a lot of struggles for many people, but it created opportunities. Actors were isolated, and Broadway was Oh, I see. I got gotcha. you. Huh. I knew he had done Stephen King and, uh, you know, and all these, you know, the Hunger Games audiobooks, and his voice mm-hmm. and he, is phenomenal. So I reached out to him, and I probably couldn't afford it him, you know, the, the production we couldn't have afforded in another, you know, COVID free world, but it happened. And, um, he brought it to life. And so it's so experiential to hear it. And now, you know, we'll move toward the movie and, uh, uh, thank you for saying that cinematic because, um, that was my background and 
I should just say very briefly, it's about a former child star who is on the run and he's hiding in a church and it takes on this whole notion of celebrity culture. And uh, uh, that was a little bit of my background working in production. Uh, you ask kids nowadays what they want to be when they grow up and they, you know, they don't say doctor or lawyer, they say they want to be famous and all the trappings with that. So uh, that has been a fun thing to explore and uh, kind of, you know, uh, explore uh, the trappings of all that. Yeah, what I, what I was so intrigued by was, as you just told me, that the big star that did it and it became another hit. It's a funny thing. Like you write a book, you know, you say to yourself, well, maybe on Kindle it'll get taken up. I noticed that some of the uh, uh, seminaries, because the book has a spiritual sort of yeah. uh, arc, and so, you know, well, okay, now, and, and you think to yourself as an author, that gets you another sort of set of people that are looking at your book. But then I think, and I, I've only known this by anecdote, I never had the chance to ask an author, if you get the right person as the narrator, he, there are big, big stars. I read a New York Times magazine piece on some of these guys who are, are, are and gals who are big stars and they make a living Dude. doing audible. So so that's uh, yeah. that was quite a thing. And so you got did you get a, a, a significant boost doing from that? I mean, that must have got some attention. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Santino has a huge he is like one of the top three actors on Broadway now. So all of a mm. sudden I have this New York Broadway following. And wow. um, and then he, he was in Frozen. So, you know, that right. little movie. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, it's amazing. I was in one bookstore last week in Pasadena, California, Roman, and uh -huh. I was in four sections of the bookstore. Right. I was in the Books to Change Your Life with the Alchemists and Tuesdays with Maury. I was in the Faith section. I was in General Fiction, and then I was in Spiritual Journeys. Wow. What's fun about that is this is a book for everyone. It's not a proselytizing, heavy-hitting book. Faith right. is about the transformation. But I guess I'll leave you with saying we all talk about how divisive these times are. Yeah. But I have spoken all across this country and right. in treatment places, rotaries, you name it. And when it comes to hurt and healing, we are all the same. I am convinced huh. of that. Yeah, that's a, that well, that's that sounds true, but it's also interesting that you, as an author, found the way into that telling a story. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a really intriguing thing. Yeah, and I did it. I think I found the story because I went through a crisis, and that's usually mm -hmm. when all of us uh, ask the hard questions and try right. to find the real way forward. <laughs> well, it's a it's a great uh, story. Like I said, I'm halfway through now. I'm mad that I bought it on Kindle. I should have bought it on Audible, but I live and learn. So uh, C.B. Shipe, <laughs> the book is called Cliff Falls, the Missing Pieces Edition. I'll put it up. I think I'm going to put up the Audible link to the Audible one on uh, on social media. So thanks very much, C.B. And I think I got to tell you, you, you probably you probably sound too happy. Maybe you could have like a, a crisis and then write another book because we need more good books like this. So I don't know. I don't want to encourage you to have a crisis, but uh, but maybe you can, uh, you know, it's, it's it's, uh, you seem too happy. You need, we need some more books. So uh, congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. Take care. All right. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now... Here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Donald Trump has emerged as the nation's foremost advocate of election integrity. 
He returned to the national spotlight with a rip-roaring speech at CPAC 2021, where Trump issued a clarion call for conservatives to save our elections before it's too late. Trump declared, we need one election day, not 45, not 30, one day. And the only people that should be allowed to vote by mail are people that can be proven to be either very sick or out of the country or military where they can't do it. One day. Touching on the early voting issue was the perfect move for the former president. He has a proven track record of campaigning for winners. If anyone can pressure squishy state legislators to hold the line on election integrity, it's Trump. He made it clear that if they do not get on board, they will quickly find themselves unemployed. Trump's message is one that every conservative needs to echo at this critical moment in history. Early voting has been a bad deal for voters for years. Early voting states encourage citizens to turn in their ballots weeks in advance, often before major developments in the campaigns have taken place. Google Trends noticed that the phrase, quote, can I change my vote, end quote, trended among searches shortly after President Trump's last debate with Joe Biden. For many voters asking the question, the answer was no. That left them stuck with their vote for a candidate they didn't support before Election Day had even begun. Not only does early voting disenfranchise those who change their minds before Election Day, but it also leaves open the door for interference or outright fraud. Think about it. Don't you think it would be a lot easier to alter the outcome of an election if the ballot boxes stay open for weeks on end? Election Day is and should be an important day for all Americans. With very limited and specific exceptions, all voting should take place in person at designated polling places on a single day, where lawful American citizens can present their photo ID and cast their ballot for their candidate of choice. From Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin. Election fraud has the power to destroy the America we know and love. Never again can we allow an election to be stolen. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find reasonable, workable strategies for assuring the integrity of every future election. Visit phyllisschlafly.com today. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Hope you're getting ready for a good weekend. I hope it will be a great weekend. Uh, get some rest and relaxation. Uh, maybe uh, maybe watch some baseball and uh, all that. But I want to close. I got an email from one of our listeners uh, who was following my lead. Remember I told you. And now there's a couple of tips. A couple of tips on how to see what the other side is doing. I've, I've taken to... Um, at my office where I have a TV, I, I put the channel on, I put the channel on CNN and then I uh, click over to Fox and then I just do last channel back and forth every now and then just to see what both sides are saying and to get a feel for what CNN, the craziness are saying. It's kind of effective at seeing what they're talking about on the left, right? It's easier. It's kind of an easy way. The other shorthand, as I've told you, is to go to politico.com, which is, it just carries the news uh, for the Democrats. It's just the, it's the standard bearer for the Democrats. They, they try to look like they're a professional website. They look like they're doing journalism, but they're just carrying the water. They always are. So I got an email from one of our listeners. He said, I know that you say that the Politico is the window into the mind of the left, but I was astonished to read this article that redefines tax cut to include Biden's stimulus checks. 
So in Politico, you click on it, it says, uh, not rich, good news, you're probably getting a tax cut. And so it goes on to simply say to say that your stimulus payment is a tax cut. And and they with a straight face, or they they quote an economist, obviously a left leaning economist or a Democrat econ- economist, to say, yeah, look, this is a really a tax cut. Now, there's no way it's a tax cut, right? It's not. It's but they know that the language that people hear, people love a tax cut. They, the idea of a tax cut. The reason why candidates always talk about tax cuts and they 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 run on tax cuts is because people feel. Like that's something that they need. They want a break. They you give them a break, and that and that's why you'll hear uh, the Democrats talk about, oh, you know, we we got to raise taxes on the on the rich, and we've got to lower taxes for other people. Tax cuts are popular, but this is a great example in Politico, and I'll put it up on social media of exactly how not it's not just that they oh here it is Howard Gleckman, a senior fellow at the Tax Policy Center, he said it's a big honking tax cut for low and moderate income people. What? What the stimulus check or tax credits with the stimulus check is a tax cut? It's not true. It's a transfer payment. But this is a perfect example of how Politico is carrying water, trying to explain how things that aren't true are true. And it's a lengthy piece. It's like it's called it's under the section finance and tax. It's written like a serious analysis of something that's going on, and it's total nonsense, completely made up. Completely not something that's real, and it again is what you see when you go over to Politico. So great, uh, great point, uh, John. I think John sent that to me, uh, and uh, and also let me follow up on the Joe Rogan situation. In in a rapid succession, I told you uh, uh, Dr. Fauci and then the White House attacked Joe Rogan for quote unquote discouraging vaccinations. Well, be, the world being what it is, Joe Rogan went back on his podcast the next day, and he certainly didn't apologize, but he explained what he was saying. And he went through it. And as someone said, why is it that uh, Joe Rogan is not allowed to have an opinion on vaccinations? I mean, it's it is uh, it's classic, right? I mean, it's not he's not saying the medicine. He's saying, what is it like to be a 21 year old guy? A 20, and, and, you know, again, I don't understand who in the White House thought it was a great idea to uh, attack Joe Rogan. I don't know why they thought that was a great move, but they were doing it. All right. Here's another one uh, that you're seeing over on Politico. And this is a classic. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner, the formerly known as Bruce Jenner, is running for uh, in the recall election. Now, if you remember the recall in California, uh, whatever, how many years ago, Gray Davis, you know, lots of people ran. I think 100 candidates ran. There were celebrity candidates. There was this, that, and the other thing. Right now, Politico can't stop running pieces, you know, long pieces, long journalistic coverage, quote unquote, of Caitlyn Jenner. This piece, long to top of the top of the, it's the top headline, is that Caitlyn Jenner's recall campaign goes silent in the first week. What? She... She doesn't actually have a campaign. She just filed to run. I mean, it's pretending that she has a campaign. She doesn't have a campaign. She doesn't have any real staff. I mean, she doesn't. This is all celebrity stuff. This is all. And Politico wants to cover it like it's like she's a serious Republican candidate. I don't know whether she announced. I think she did say she's a Republican or she's running as a Republican. But I got to tell you, you haven't seen the you haven't even seen the beginning of how wild that recall is going to be. You're going to get four or five celebrity candidates. You're going to get some uh, wackadoodles on the left and right. You're going to have coverage because they're going to be desperate to cover any and all of the details, you know, I mean, to make it uh, somehow exciting. And here's my prediction. I do think Gavin Newsom gets recalled, but I don't think anybody today can say who wins. 
you know, that you, after you vote for recall. I don't think there's any front runner. You know, I, I don't see how a uh, I don't see how Newsom wins again, but I don't see any one coalescing. But it, it will come down to in the next couple of weeks uh, if there's anybody that comes in that has enough um, oomph and money. Right. Oomph and money, because you've got to go spend money. People don't realize this kind of race. You've got to spend money in three of the most expensive media markets in the country. Right. San Diego, uh, Metro, uh, L.A. and San Francisco. So who, who goes to run and has a chance will be somebody that can put their hands on a bunch of money or who can himself spend a bunch of money uh, out of him or herself out of his own pocket. And so uh, the. Um, one last thing on this is uh, let me just uh, point out that uh, the uh, the I, I covered it at the beginning of the program, but I'll cover it next week at l- greater length. I got a text uh, earlier today. Fl- uh, Florida did pass a, some election reform, uh, some reform that will try to clean up the elections, and we'll go into it next week. I don't have all the details, but that was a good sign because, as I mentioned to you all, um, after Georgia— you know, in politics and in in uh, sort of media and watching the narrative machine, you can you can you can look at things and you can listen. Well, you can listen to me and I can tell you what I see. And in this case, Georgia passed election reform, pretty good reform, pretty good law, pretty good. Not great. I mean, not perfect, but good. And you remember, Major League Baseball pulled the All Star Game and Delta protested, Coke protest, everybody protested. That was done. It was already passed and signed. That was done as a cautionary tale for other states that might do it, and it's worked. In Texas, a conservative state, they're still fighting over a, a, over a bill, and they can't get resolved because they're all scared of the, the kinds of pressure that's coming. That's what happens if you know how to play the game and you have the narrative machine on your side. Because that was done intentionally to raise the cost so that people... Now, Florida, Floridians are... are uh, Florida's legislature and its uh, governor are fearless right now. But that's why they did that. And it's working in places like Texas and other states. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that. All right. Thank you, as always, to our great uh, technical director, Noah. Thank you to Joanna for booking our guests. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back next week. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego.